Hi, welcome to Changemakers, a smarter school podcast exploring how to live a successful and happy life. I am Katlehom Klochema, your host. On every episode, I talk to great thinkers and doers from different walks of life who are at the forefront of positively impacting society. Our conversations focus on their specific journeys to achieving their goals. We talk mindsets, books, advice, and tools they use to keep them motivated. All the key ingredients you need for a happy and fulfilling life. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hello, Dr. Shakira Shodara. How are you? Good afternoon, Katleho. I can't complain. Um, I guess the, the word that I've been using during these times is I'm surviving. What about you? Um, I, th- I think I'm more than surviving at the current moment, thriving. So, um, you know, thank you firstly for, for making time to join us on the Smarty School podcast. Um, we appreciate it. Only a pleasure. And I like the, the whole title of Smarty School. Pretty cool, if I can say that. Yeah, we, we, only, we only bring on the smart people and cool people like yourself to, to learn more you know, about what you do and, and to keep us inspired or, or motivated, you know. So without, without further ado, you know, um, I, if I were to read an entire list of the honors or awards that you have, you know, it, I think it will take the entire 30 minutes of this show. <laughs> Could you just, um, you know, introduce yourself in terms of your upbringing, you know, where you come from, you know, and... Um, where did you go to study and what you're doing currently? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, thank you. It's, you know, it always sort of, it, it's this bittersweet moment whenever people mention my accolades because it, it sort of makes you feel very uh, conscious, very lucky, very fortunate. But when I introduce myself, and I really, I think of myself as a very humble person because that's the sort of family I was brought up into. Um, and we've never used our accolades or anything like that to, to sort of hold influence. And I think that um, going back in terms of who I am and how I usually introduce myself, I always start off because I think a big part of my life and my dreams and my passion is centered around healthcare, And that makes up a, a huge chunk of who I am as a public health practitioner. But outside of that healthcare realm, what else? And who else am I? Um, I? I like to identify myself as a proud South African, but I think I'm more African than, than South African. Uh, outside of all of that, I'm very passionate about fighting against uh, racism, being from South Africa, seeing and experiences, uh, experiencing injustice. And aside from all of that, something that the pandemic disrupted was me pursuing acting classes. I thoroughly enjoy that. And I'll end up saying that, um, you know, one of my other hobbies is to travel extensively and looking back, not just on honors, but looking back on um, my 20s, I spent such a large chunk of my life traveling and living life and thriving. And um, I've just recently launched an Instagram channel around the brand I was creating known as uh, Travel Guru. Wow. Thanks. Thank you for that response. And I think it, it really ties up to to how I want, where I want our conversation to, to focus. You know, um, a lot of uh, young people, even older people would actually jump on those accolades, you know, and make 
those things, you know, you know, be the most important thing that defines them, you know, because obviously linked to that, there's a sort of, uh, you know, privileges that you can get, you know, uh, by having achieved uh, things like that. So we have a lot of people who claim to be leaders, but are not there, you know, to influence and change the lives of others, you know, but that's just my assessment, but rather are there to serve themselves. What's your take on that? also have dreams and interests and aspirations and we have to admit that Um, but I think it goes back again to who you are and what you want to do and some people in life for example want to make money and and get rich and be famous and that's fine you know Um, it's acceptable and and others for example want to serve humanity and I consider myself to fit into the latter category so for me it's not so much about who I am in society, but it's rather what I do and what I stand for. And I think it stems from two people that I think of immediately in my life. And I always speak about my father because he played a central role in in how I address the workplace and the sort of person that I am. My father was a hugely brilliant individual, very quiet and very humble. And I think, you know, I grew up learning a lot from him and his moral compass. He also had this immense honesty in the way that he did things. Um, and then later on, I I was very lucky to be mentored by the late Ahmed Kathrada, who spent 26 years on Robben Island. And the one thing that struck me, I mean, I joined the Ahmed Kathrada Foundation in my 20s, about 21 or so. And you would expect that someone like Ahmed Kathrada would walk into a room and command um, attention and sort mm. of boss people around and, you know, have that celebrity status yeah. uh, that we see in so many so-called leaders um, in our spaces. But, you know, till today when I reflect on Uncle Kathy, he was very similar to my father in the sense that he'd walk into a room, nobody would even know who he was and he wouldn't make a point of saying, I am Ahmed Kathrada. Um, And it was just the sense of extreme humility, not commanding any attention, not wanting attention, but serving selflessly, not enriching himself. I remember um, the director of the foundation saying that Ahmed Kathrada, for example, would wear suits from Edgar's, so not Armani suits. Um, He would fly economy class. He would drive a Toyota. And I think all of that speaks to Do you want material gain or do you want the gain of the soul and the gain of giving back? And I think I've gone around in a circle to answer you, but I hope that I've given you some thoughts around, you know, what is it that we sort of aspire to be and and what sort of characters and moral compass does one have? And I think that's important, not the the who you are uh, or the place you hold in society. Yeah. You know, I, I I like that response, but you know, I I want to I I think you know um, in our society today, with you know being crazy um, obsessed, like you said, with material gains and you know a flashy lifestyle, you know the Instagram lifestyle, so to call it, you know, um, don't you feel like you are a bit unpopular, maybe in and around your circle? You know, has there been any challenges, or do you feel um, as if you are swimming against the tide, you know, by 
having that sort of philosophy um, of life. I feel comfortable with who I am. I don't have an issue with it. And I think part of it comes from having a very humble beginning. We we struggled growing up. Um, and now when I sort of have things, I look back and um, I don't I don't regret the childhood that I had and the upbringing that I had because it taught me what the little things are that you need to appreciate. Um, and even today, you know, I don't look for material gains. So, for example, people would think I'm hugely wealthy. But what you find is I tend to do projects and work that are impactful and soul-filling. I don't necessarily follow the dollar signs. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's not so much swimming against the tide, but it's about staying true to who you are. And I think that's that's something that's very important to me. I also find that living humbly... Um, it keeps me grounded. It reminds me of my parents. It reminds me of my family. It reminds me of where I'm from. Because I think what also tends to happen in life is we, those of us who are able to break out of the poverty cycle, um, tend to want to follow more material gains, tend to want more bigger houses, better cars, all of that. And eventually we forget where we came from. And I think that's what leads to corruption. I think that's what leads to the corruption of oneself and of society because um, you're eventually so delinked from that, that background and where you came from and where you need to go back to to be able to change. Yeah. No, I, I mean, look, I, I, I feel that. Um, and I want you to maybe expand a bit more on, on what you just said now, looking more into like the workspace and being part of uh, certain leadership forums, like you've been, you know, in the Youth Council of the African Union, you know, for instance, you know, and other positions that you've held, you know, having that sort of mindset, have you felt like maybe other leaders, you know, in similar positions or higher did not share the same vision, you know, did they have a different way of, of looking at things and using the positions of power that they had? Can you expand a bit more on, on that? So, you know, uh, I actually uh, penned a poem during my time in the African Union, and uh, it was it was something along the lines that whether you're old or whether you, you're young, you still have the ability to be corrupt. Um, and we shouldn't kid ourselves that just saying throwing young people into spaces is the solution. Because what we see is, for example, the African mm. National Congress has young people. The Democratic Alliance has young people. Um, all political parties have young people. But are these young people the young people that we need to take the country forward? Why are they there enriching themselves and, and looking for positions? Um, and I think that's, that's a fundamental question we've got to reflect on. And so this poem is really about my time in the African Union and what I had seen. And essentially, it was about how power corrupts. And when one is in a position of power, I remember young, uh, and I won't quote, but there were young people of influence in the African Union who said to us, be quiet and play the politics. We need to play the politics to get ahead. And for me, hearing that at some of my very first meetings, I felt uncomfortable. I, I, said, I sort of you know, gave it time and wanted to see where this goes. 
But what I had witnessed and observed at Katleho, and it's not just in the African Union, I think it's in the development space as well, is that people are unfortunately there to line their pockets. Yeah. And we all have bills to pay, so I'm not going to act like I'm a saint. Sure. <laughs> but I think that we shouldn't go beyond what we need, um, you know. And so there's this competitive nature, there's this let's put each other down nature that happens, and it happens among young people as well. Long story short, I think that it's in our times at least, it's very easy to create an online presence and look as if you're doing things. Mm-hmm. But at the heart of it and behind the scenes, you're breaking other young people down. You are corrupt. You're not accounting for the funds. <laughs> and, um, you know, so so to go back to your, your initial question, Katleho, is that, to be honest, I find that it's very difficult and it's very rare to find people who resonate with me. But that being said, there are people. So even in the African Union, a 10-member council, um, my colleague Simon from South Sudan, who's a refugee and now living in Uganda, the two of us um, got on like a house on fire, and we still do, because we hold Mm -hmm. these moral ideas, these ethical ideas. But these are very rare on the continent, and even in the workplace. So for example, even in the workplace, you would find that even in instances of racism, people are quiet either because they're worried about their own position and their own career progression and they don't mm-hmm. speak up. And I'm one of those people that unfortunately, even if I try and just hang on and be quiet and go with the flow, there will come a point where I can't. And I think for me that's great because it teaches mm-hmm. or it, it goes back to a test for me. Um, and especially looking at my time in the African Union, I could have used this position of power to show the world that I'm great. But instead, I spoke the truth and I said that this was a meaningless position. I held the title, but there was no action. There was no concrete anything within the AU. And so I think it's it also goes back to who you are as a person and what you stand for. And it, it goes back to that earlier question that you asked me. Um, you know, are there many of us? And I, I think, unfortunately, there are very few. But what gives me hope is how these few and these rare sort of gems in leadership can come together to shape things. And that, for me, was the Mandela generation, the Kathrada generation, the Lillian Goy and Albertina Sisulu, those leaders who were able to craft a vision and do so for the country, not for the, for themselves. Well, I mean, hearing you say that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, this does not only happen in, in um, you know, the developmental space or in the political, you know, spaces, but happens even in, you know, corporate, you know, where someone is working for a corporate giant, but there might be, you know, issues of uh, racial, you know, exclusion or, or some uh, stereotypical way um, of mistreating people because of their um, sexual orientation or because of their gender, etc. You know, and I, I think, you know, that there are people who want to do good, but maybe the systems and institutions don't allow for it. You know, it's not easy to speak up 
And like you said, you have people who are saying you have to play politics if you want to move ahead. You know, it's easy to go with the status quo instead of against, you know. And this ties up with that earlier question about swimming against the tide, you know. So how do you make sure that you remain true to yourself and in the process you still develop as a professional? Because, you know, um, I don't know about you, or are you okay with like, okay, no one wants to hire me, I'll speak my truth. <laughs> you know, how do how do you, or how do others, maybe not just you, what, you know, what would be your advice to say how should people maneuver, you know, um, those sort of situations and, and environments to make sure that they can still speak up, you know, um, but they still remain sort of um, safe, for a lack of a better word, in terms of their career progression or being part of a, a certain organization. What's your take on that? You see, that's where the true test of who one is as a leader, and I think that's the, the definition of leadership. Because we throw around terms, and I mean, Katejo, you know this, you've been at, uh, at school in South Africa as well, so you throw around terms around leadership, being brave, being courageous, sacrificing. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of realize, and I realize, especially with my time in the African Union, but in, in different institutions, even in the university space as well, when I spoke up there, is um, you have things to lose. What do you have to lose? You, ha you have your career to lose, and you have income to lose. And to be honest, I, I was also afraid of losing income. Um, and I mentioned that I'm from humble beginnings, so it's not like I have a big trust fund to fall back on. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's a risk. And I think that's when you sort of, you know, you realize what sort of person you are and what sort of leader you are. Because if you're a real leader, then you're an activist, essentially, because you're willing to be brave, you're willing to be courageous, you're willing to take the path and say things that no one wants to say and do, but you do so because it's right. And so, yes, the systems are strong, they established, they've been there for a very long time. You get big-scale action, such as Greta Thunberg, such a fan of her, but you also get mm. small-scale action. And I think that I'm probably a small-scale action sort of person. And when I talk about that, it's about whichever space you're in, whether you're in your community, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're in a, in a social gathering where people are racist, it's about how do you stand up and how do you say the right thing? How do you go against the tide? And that's true leadership. And for me, if no matter how difficult it is, if you're not going against the tide, you are then sacrificing your principles and you're no longer a leader, I think. Um, that's just, you know, my two cents worth, of course. Um, and I can give you one example in the development space. There's this um, largest gathering of women and girls. It's known as Women Deliver. And last year, there were a couple of staff members who claimed uh, or who shared the experiences of racism. And in that Women Deliver network, there's about, I don't know, five, 6,000 young leaders already in there. But for me, it was so surprising that these five or 6,000 young leaders, the majority from low and middle income countries who experience racism, not one or two of them spoke out in support of these staff members. Mm -hmm. The donors in the international space just turned a blind eye. This is a 
big, huge organization with claims of racism and everybody was going ahead as normal. So it also makes me think about some of these staff members. They were going up against a huge organization, financially strong, powerfully strong, but they stood up. And that's small-scale action. And the moral of the story is that they weren't the Greta Thunbergs who made world news, but they started to chip away at what's wrong in institutions. And with that small little change that they did, I'm able to tell you the story. Yeah. And they let their, 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 their careers go, their financing go, and they stood up and they spoke out. So I think for me, that's the essence of leadership. Phew. So all in all, essentially, we have to to be comfortable with, with losing at first, you know, sacrificing and, and losing something that we value. I hear you. Um, I want you to now, you know, um, take it back, come back home. But, you know, uh, we've recently had the protests um, and, and looting of shops. And we know that we have a big problem with, you know, youth unemployment. And, you know, for most, most uh, people who've assessed the situation have said that, you know, the current uh, crop of leaders have failed us as young people, you know, that we find ourselves where we are today, you know, and I want, you know, your take in terms of what the solutions are, you know, and not necessarily diagnose what the problems are, you know, but what can we do going forward as normal young people in our own spaces, you know, to move our country forward and to deal with all the social ills that we have. Can tell you why I'm going to have some strong opinions on this. So I don't know if it's parental guidance to you and your listeners. Um, and I am going to diagnose the problem a little bit because I oh, think that, you know, when I, when, when I reflect on, on what's happened in South Africa, it didn't start now. It started when different institutions were pushing motions of no confidence in the president from the t- or the former president from the time he had allegations of rape. People were sweeping it under the carpet. Um, The very people who are speaking out in the ANC against Zuma now, when they had the chance to remove him, they did not. The very young leaders that are punted as young leaders for fees must fall and and, and, and idolized for fees must fall, were, were fighting for fees must fall, but were not fighting against corruption. Uh, They were fighting for fees must fall and two weeks later sitting in a stadium at the ANC um, rally supporting Zuma. So I I want to start there because I think that's where the solution is. The solution Mm -hmm. is, one, we've got to be proactive wherever we are. Um, We've got to speak the truth. And I don't think you're going to find many people like me who are going to say so. That, you know, there were so many chances to get rid of the former president. We are now where we are because of uh, people in the ANC who put the, the party above, of, above the country. And I think that's a mistake. And that goes back to, are you putting your positions and your, uh, your power ahead of society? And so I think that's the first problem, but it's also the solution. How do you start to put society above all else, not your political alliance? 
The second issue is that of youth. I think that there are a crop of young leaders in this country, and Katehu, you're part of this, this genre, but we're all sitting outside the political space. Mm. Why and how do we get into this political space and push change, but not get lost in the process while we do this? I think mm. there's immense power in all of us in this country coming together. I just don't know how and I don't know where because the ANC has such a stronghold. The third area I would say is that, you know, and I'm sorry for being so critical of the Fees Must Fall leaders, but if young people could bring this country to a standstill for, for education, the heart of all of our issues in this country and on this continent is corruption. When mm -hmm. will young people mobilize on this continent for corruption? And there are too few of us that want to, to, to go this path and this route. So those are just, you know, I don't know how we'll implement this and who will implement this, and hopefully I can also play a role. I try to through my, my words and my interactions, but how do we do this? And I think those are three top things which come to mind. Sure, yeah, that's, that's a lot to, you know, to digest and, and, and try to understand, but I think you make uh, very good points. Um, I, I don't want to um, pick any one of them and say let's let's follow up on on them but I think when it comes to the first one about uh, a certain individual or a former president you know there might be different views of it's not just an individual you know but uh, the problem was probably you know more wider than one person but that's maybe a topic for another day um, I, 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 um, you know, after listening to you and talking about um, your father and being part of the uh, Ahmed Kathrada Foundation, and you know that um, what can I call? You know, you you had people who gave you a good example practically in in front of you, you know, to be the person that you are and to think the way that you think, you know, today. Um, you know, most of us, uh, you know, don't have maybe those sort of figures, you know, um, that close. So how do you think that practically, you know, as a society, we can reshape, you know, most of, of us, most of the people to be less materialistic, you know, to be more into, you know, uh, servant, servant leadership. Um, you know, how, how do we do that as a society on a broader scale? That, that's a tough one because this is, and I don't want to go there, but I'm going to have to go there. And I don't want to use jargon either, but I'll, I'll have to, you know, this, this is linked to the capitalist system. Mm. And the capitalist system, I'm not saying that we should do away with the capitalist system, but at the heart of capitalism and the way it feeds into the way institutions work and the economy works, but also the way we taught at a young age. Um, by those around us, our teachers, our peers, what we see on television, for example, is that, you know, go to school, work hard, get a job, get money, be successful. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's not what we should be teaching our young people. And I, so I think there's a little bit of internalization in the homes, um, in our spaces, in the conversations we have, and it can start informally, I think. So you having this podcast, 
one sort of mechanism. But how do we start to reach more young people? Because I think it's going to be the, the turning point is how you're able to shape the youth. Yeah. And if the youth are taught that money equals success, then I don't know how we're going to break that cycle. Because even then, when they get into the workplace, that's what people are chasing. Um, I think it's about teaching people what are the what are the things we can change in our communities? What are the things we can change in the world? What? How do we enable young people to be able to do that? And you know, when I reflect at Leho, I think informally I had these lessons, but it's mm. only when I really reach my twenties, because you know, if you don't go to a private school in South Africa, you don't have these extracurricular activities and mentorship and all of these sorts of things. Mm. You're sort of introduced to it at university level. And so I think it's about starting all of that a lot earlier and building it into the education system. So even, um, even for example, having peer mentors is going to be essential. Or having South Africans, ordinary South Africans, giving time to young people, especially in their teenage years, to start to mentor and provide that sort of guidance and, and those sort of leadership examples is going to be critical. That's just one answer. I mean, I don't have the answer for everything, everywhere. Uh, but yeah. what I think it also then goes back to is individual responsibility. That mirror, when you look into yourself, when no one's watching, you know that that saying that um, doing the right thing when no one's watching, when you're not yeah. posting it on social media and all of that, yeah. It's that, it's that individual that we've got to become. Um, and I think that's the, that's the other key area. How we get there, I'm not quite sure and I don't know. It's it's a big, huge system to unravel. Well, on, on that note, I think uh, we, we should maybe close with one of your favorite quotes or, you know, um, maybe one of the wisest advice you've received, because I feel like you have a lot of knowledge and wisdom to share, but I don't want to, you know, hog you on this platform. I know that you have other responsibilities and things to, things to get to. Never ever. I'm so lucky that you're having me on this spot is cool. So don't worry about it. But I think, you know, as I close, I don't have, there's a couple of formal quotes but there's a couple of informal quotes as well. Mm. And I think mm. that I'll share, I'll share all of them because I want the listeners to sort of reflect and be inspired. And so my dad, I, again, I go back to my dad because he's, he's just been this, this rock in my life. And uh, I remember I got this really huge project <laughs> mm. where I had to write something on behalf of the Director General of the World Health Organization. And I stressed and I didn't know how to start and I didn't know how to do it. And my dad said to me, you know, just do what you know, because you're really smart and you know how to do this. <laughs> and I've just sort of kept those words with me because I just did. I just did that. I'm like, forget everything, Shakira, write this the way you're supposed to write this. And the response was, Shakira, you are so brilliant. And I just laughed. The other advice my dad gave me was when I was bungee jumping. And I think it's about that risk that you take in life and that, that, that blood rush you sort of get. And so he said, you know, when you get 
to that point to bungee jump. And he's never bungee jumped, but he still gave me that <laughs> advice. He said, don't think about it, just jump. And it's true. I was standing at the Soweto Towers. And the minute you start thinking about it, you're starting to think, okay, I'm going to die. Oh, my God. It's, it's yeah, such a yeah. long way down. And then I remembered his words, just jump. And I just jumped and screamed. And <laughs> that was it, you know. Um, if I think... If you'd allow me, get well, she wanted to other other things. No, yeah, I go think, ahead, please. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes comes from Uncle Kathy, uh, or Ahmed but we called him Uncle Kathy. Mm. And it's it's in his book Memoirs, I think, or one of his books, anyways. And it says that the hardest thing to open is a closed mind. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think that's very powerful. And then he also talks a little bit about Robben Island. And I want to, to talk about that because it goes back to your earlier question of how do we keep ourselves grounded? Um, how do we know that leadership equals sacrifice? And in his book Memoirs, he talks about Robben Island being cold showers, cold food, cold all round. And in those two or three words, He's talking about 26 years of feeling cold in every sense of the word and the sacrifice that he had. I think, you know, one of my final pieces of advice, and it's not so much a quote, but I think that I've had incredible mentors in my in the workplace, um, such as Professor John Isles, who retired, uh, Vicky Tellis, who I worked with, and, and now Velashni Gavinder as well. And there's one thing I've learned from them is approach life positively, um, be supportive to those around you, don't bring anyone down, be supportive. And the final thing was have faith in yourself. <laughs> and, you know, whenever I got these accolades, I never believed I would actually get them. And when I look back on it, I say that one of my biggest shortfalls or pitfalls is that I, I also struggle to believe in myself. And I think that these mentors have unleashed that power. So I can go on forever, and I've told you yeah. a whole bunch of things, yeah. but I hope yeah. your listeners find some laughs and inspiration. Yeah, that, that certainly was very rich and wise, you know, that even things that we might consider simple um, could be so significant, you know, um, in someone's life. Um, thank you very much, Shakira, for your, for your time today. I appreciate it. I've learned quite a lot you. from you and I'm more inspired and more hopeful about, you know, our country and our continent. You know, um, if we can just multiply people who have similar perspective as you do, I think there's definitely hope. Thank you, Katejo, and I can't wait to take you bungee jumping at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I will jump. I'll... Oh my god. Thanks. Yeah, we should do it soon. Sure. Thanks, Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been a School production. Catch you on the next episode. Stay smart and keep well. If you enjoyed this episode of Changemakers, please subscribe if you have not already. Help us spread the word by rating and commenting on the podcast. We like hearing from you, as this will help us create better content and reach more people. Share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues whom you think will benefit or like this sort of content. If you have questions for me or my guest or topics that you would like us to discuss next time, email me at podcasts at smartschool.co.za.